0: Sophia Garfield had a clear mental picture of what the outbreak of war was going to be like. There would be a loud bang succeeded by inky darkness and a cold wind. Stumbling over heaps of rubble and dead bodies, Sophia would search with industry but without hope for her husband, her lover and her dog. It was, in her mind, like the end of the world or the last days of Pompeii and for more than two years now she had been steeling herself to bear with fortitude the hardships, both mental and physical, which must accompany this cataclysm. However, nothing in life happens as we expect, and the outbreak of the great war against Hitlerism certainly did not happen according to anybody's schedule, except possibly Hitler's own. In fact, Sophia was driving in her Rolls-Royce, through one of those grey and nondescript towns on the border between England and Scotland, when, looking out of the window, she saw a man selling newspapers. The poster, which he wore as an apron, had scrawled upon it in pencil the words, War Begun. As this was on the 31st of August 1939, the war which had begun was the invasion of Poland by Germany. The real war, indeed, did begin more pompously, if not more in accordance with preconceived ideas, some four days later. There was no loud bang, but Mr Chamberlain said on the wireless what a bitter blow it had been for him, and then did his best to relieve the tension by letting off air-raid sirens. It sounded very nice and dramatic— though a few citizens, having supposed that their last hour was at hand, were slightly annoyed by this curious practical joke. Sophia's war began in that border town. She felt rather shivery when she saw the poster, and said to Rawlings, her chauffeur, Did you see? And Rawlings said, Yes, my lady, I did. Then they passed by a hideous late Victorian church, and the whole population of the town seemed to be occupied in propping it up with sandbags. Sophia, who had never seen a sandbag before, began to cry, partly from terror and partly because it rather touched her to see anybody taking so much trouble over a church so ugly that it might have been specially made for bombs. Further along the road, in a small grey village, a band of children with labels round their necks and bundles in their arms were standing by a motor bus. Most of them were howling. Rawlings volunteered the remark that he had never expected to see refugees in England, that Hitler was a red swine and he would like to get his hands on him. At a garage where they stopped for petrol, the man said that we could not have held up our heads if we hadn't finished it now. When they got to Carlisle, Sophia decided that she must go on by train to London. She had been on the road already for ten hours and was miserably stiff. But having arranged to help with the evacuation of mothers and children, she was due at a school in the commercial road at eight o'clock the following morning. Accordingly, she told Rawlings to stay the night at Carlisle, and she herself boarded the London train. There were no sleepers. The train was full of drunken soldiers, and it was blacked out.